In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We don't understand nothing. And I say that with perfect grammar. Because it is easy to mistake nothing for something and something for nothing. We have to understand nothing. What does it mean to have nothing? Can we recognize that we have nothing? Can we find joy in having nothing? I hope so. The big fish was swimming past two younger fish and asked them, how's the water? And the one young fish looked at the other fish and said, what, what's water? We see nothing, we think there's nothing, but the air we breathe is something. If you want to see nothing, you have to be in the vacuum of space. An astronaut in space, quote unquote floating, whatever that means, in space, isn't able to move. An astronaut can flap arms and kick legs, But unless there's actually a projectile, whether it be gaseous or solid, that can be thrown in one direction, there can be no movement in the other direction, right? P equals mv. It's going to rule that equation. There is nothing. There's no no thing upon which to gain traction to be able to move. The way your, your feet hit the ground and there's friction, therefore, you're able to propel yourself forward. But when there's no thing there, not even air there, you can do nothing and you can go nowhere. Do we recognize our own emptiness? Not that we are nothing, you are something. You are made in the image and likeness of God. You are something beautiful, but what do you have? And what do you have to give? That's where you need to recognize that you have nothing. The parable at the beginning of this passage, is, this passage of the gospel tells the story of a man who scattered seed on the land and, and um, he just went to sleep and woke up. And night and day, as he's sleeping and waking, The seed is growing, and he has no idea how the seed grows. He just knows that it does. And he knows eventually when this seed has come to full fruition, then he's going to take the sickle and and harvest it. But he he doesn't know what's inside the seed. He doesn't know how it works. He didn't make the seed. It was either given him. Or he found it, or he bought it, but he didn't create the seed. That's not a problem. He's not a bad farmer because he doesn't know what's happening inside the seed or is incapable of making a seed. That's not his job. His job is to receive the seed, put it in the ground, make sure that it has water, which he can't produce. Hopes that it has enough sunshine, which he can't replicate. Spiritually, we have 
a soul made in the image and likeness of God. But what is it that we are giving others? Do we give others something good? Do we give others something bad? Do we have nothing to give? Over the last few weeks, we've been praying for um, a friend of mine who passed away two weeks ago, Jill Ostertag. She's in the Prayers of the Faithful. There was a funeral where the family currently is living in Texas, and there was another, the, the final big funeral for, for family and friends was in Minnesota. So I was gone 48 hours this week. She's mother of my first godson, married one of my best friends in college, and leaves behind six children from ages six to 20. Very difficult funeral. Especially just looking at these six really wonderful children, like lambs, um, innocent and good and kind and um, helpful to each other and really in so many ways being unaware of, of the way the devil would want to have mischief and inflict suffering on them and they, and they seem so oblivious, so beautifully. But I, had, I have nothing to give them. I, I, there's, what, what can I do for them? Nothing. The only thing I can give them is, is what, what, what God gives me to convey to them. Who, who can give them joy? Only God. Who can give them life? Only God. Who can give them encouragement and hope? Only God. Appropriately, someone asked me, and I've, I know that she has bragged about it to other people, so I can, it's fair game to tell the story. A few days ago, at a graduation party, asked me, Father, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And I looked at her and I said, well, I can turn bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. <laughs> what more do you want? Because I have nothing. I have nothing. Like the seed sown on the ground, I don't even know how it works. I just know it does. When we, when we, when we recognize that we have nothing, not that we are nothing, don't ever let anyone tell you that you are nothing, but you have nothing. When we realize that I have nothing, nothing that I can create will ultimately give someone what their heart needs. Then I can realize that God will give me the gift that that person needs. You're in the, you're in the same situation. You have nothing. What you can give is God, the real presence of God. God dwelling within you by virtue of your being already in the state of grace and receiving the Lord into your soul. The presence of God in you. That makes a difference. The grace that you receive from God can be conveyed to others. This is the whole, the whole beauty of the sacrament of confirmation. 
power given to those not for their immediate benefit, but for the benefit of others. Very different from baptism. When you were adopted, you were given power from on high for your own sanctification, for your benefit, for, for your spiritual well-being. Imagine, if you will, the vehicle. I, I use this image from time to time about the necessity of grace. The most amazing vehicle in the world, whatever you make and model, you decide. But it has no gasoline, no oil, not even a drop of water in the radiator. It's just a big paperweight. We require grace. We require the, the presence of God to be to be able to do what we're supposed to do, to be happy, to be fully human. We require the presence of God in us. Think then of all of your virtues, and your virtues are really perfections of your soul, perfections of powers. But we so often think of virtues as my gift, right? This is what I have to offer. So whatever virtues you think you have or that you don't, that you want, or virtues that you recognize in others, courage, knowledge, charity, go on and on and on. For a moment, just for the sake of the thought experiment, don't think of them as nouns. Don't think of them as things that you have to give to others. Think of them as adverbs. So instead of thinking that my courage is a gift to, to, to someone else, think of rather, I have something to give and it will be given courageously. I have something to give and it will be, be given knowledgeably or charitably or kindly or patiently. But what is it that you're giving? What is it that you have to give others? Nothing. Unless you're giving them God. So go back to that vehicle and, and, and all of its characteristics, all of its perfections, right? Perfect body, perfect engine, perfect wheels, perfect whatever, you know, continue the list. But the purpose of the vehicle is to transport someone from one place to another or something from one place to another. That's why it has seats and a trunk of, to one measure or another. But if that vehicle is only used so that the driver can enjoy driving the vehicle, it is useless. That's not the purpose of the vehicle. You should get a motorcycle instead. That's what you want. Well, the purpose of the vehicle is to convey something, someone, from here to there. And it will do it beautifully, quickly, with, with astounding breaks, with great flair, with uh, agility. All those, all those characteristics have to do with the manner in which the, this person or this thing is being conveyed from here to there. And so your virtues are very important. But don't mistake them for what you are giving others. Are you giving them life? 
Are you taking it from them? Are you giving them God? Are you, de- are you de- depriving them of him? You don't need to understand how it works, but you know it does. Recognize that, that you have nothing. You have empty hands. You, have, you, have, you don't even have anything to give to God that's pleasing to him. God understands this. It's on purpose. Because when we recognize that we have nothing, then we can receive him. And then the, the sacrifice that we offer up to God the Father is God the Son. And, and it's allowed to be something that we don't just touch, you know, the way that the, if you've seen the old solemn high mass, we just had one yesterday for a beautiful wedding. The deacon touches the chalice as the priest is holding the chalice aloft and saying the first prayer of preparation. It's not his chalice, but he's allowed to touch it. That's not the manner in which we, as the church, offer up the sacrifice. It is, this gift is given to us. God the Son has been given to us. And we offer to God the Father, his only begotten Son. Because we have otherwise nothing to give. Nothing of great value. Nothing that's really pleasing to God. God is very hard to please. In order to be in heaven and to be pleasing to God, we have to be perfected. That's that's why God gave us the sacraments and grace. And even in the end, will give us purgatory if that's required. Because God wants us to be pleasing to him. He wants us to be in heaven. He wants us to recognize that we have nothing so that he can fill us with everything. So that he can fill us with himself. This is the joy of Mary. This is the Magnificat. The father said to his daughter, this is 19 years ago, they were, the daughter was about to get married. She had spent a few years in the, in the convent, hadn't made vows, so granted, she was a little further along than the average uh, bride-to-be, spiritually speaking. Dad said to her, I get the feeling you're, you don't really regard me as your father. And she looked at him like, what are you talking about, Dad? I love you. you you're my dad. What are, you, what are you talking about? And he said, I get the feeling that you really regard God as your father. And she said, well, yeah, of course. That's, that's how you raised me. Most people don't get to that point. Little did he know that when he pushed this great little soul towards God that she would take everything God was giving, hook, line, and sinker. And really and truly, she recognizes what matters. Where does life come from? What is the evil from which I need to be protected? I love my dad, but only God gives me life. Only God gives me wisdom. And only God can protect me from the things that can actually harm me. God the Father truly is her father. She loves her dad. She loves him and is grateful for everything that he is and has and has given her as limited as it may be. It's not a slight against him. It's the recognition that we're human beings. So in some respects, you know, her dad's off the hook. He doesn't have to be perfect. 
He doesn't have to have everything. Because God has everything. And as the only things that last forever, the only things that we really need. The sooner we recognize that, the sooner we are, we can be at peace looking in the mirror and realizing that you've got nothing going on. That's, that's okay. You are someone, but you have nothing. God has what you need. And he will give it to you so that it's actually your own possession. So that you have something to give others. And you even have something acceptable to offer in sacrifice. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.